Closer Look is a public affairs presentation. Views and opinions of the guests don't always reflect the views of the ministry, and some topics aren't suitable for children. K-Love is committed to community. Closer Look continues with a look at local agencies, events, and issues. Oh, welcome to Closer Look. I'm Felipe Aguilar. If you have little ones near the radio, you may want to move them away from the radio or lower the volume because we are going to be touching on a sensitive topic. Domestic violence is one of those topics that is difficult to talk about, but nevertheless it happens in many sectors of our society. Joining me to give us some insight into this issue is Coralie Leon, director of Casa Julia, and she's going to be telling us about the impact on victims and family members alike. Coralie, Thank you so much for joining us tonight here on Closer Look. Thank you for the invitation. I'm grateful to be here with you all. Let's start with how much of a concern is domestic violence in our communities? Yeah, when we talk about domestic violence, we use also the word um, pandemic um, because before um, COVID-19, we were already in big trouble in Puerto Rico dealing with domestic violence situations. Um, they are not um, isolated events. Um, they are um, something that is more common every day. And uh, it's definitely um, a national crisis. So that um, and, and also the femicides that we've been seeing during the pandemic has created great concern on the um, organizations that bring services to domestic violence survivors. So we've been trying to reach out to survivors so they know we're still, even though the pandemic is still going and right now it's a very difficult point in Puerto Rico, we're still open, we're still giving services and we're um, available to give orientations, our support, and also um, we have a domestic um, violence um, emergency shelter that we uh, keep running, although the pandemic is still um, doing it its worst. So um, we, we just want the public to know that we are here and that they are not alone. And we know that Casa Julia has been serving to the survivors of domestic violence there in, in San Juan, in Puerto Rico, for quite a while. Take us back to the beginnings of when Casa Julia first opened. Yeah, Casa Julia is the first domestic violence emergency shelter established in Puerto Rico. We recently um, celebrated our very first anniversary. And before Casa Julia, there, there was no shelter in the island. So the pioneers that did this work, um, they created something out of nothing. And they did it also with the help of um, pastors and people that were um, very close to um, church organization, organizations that were aware and ahead of, thinking ahead of time. In a moment in history where domestic violence wasn't even recognized as a crime against a woman. So they were pioneers doing this work. And we are very proud to um, keep their, um, their work going and keep on um, strengthening the organization to be able to serve domestic violence uh, survivors up to this date. So um, Casa Julia now has six. Um, service programs. We have the domestic violence emergency shelter. We have two housing programs because we know that one of the struggles that domestic violence survivors um, have are secure um, housing and also 
help with being independent economically. So we have two programs that their objective is to deal with that specifically. We have we have a children's program that deals um, and helps um, survivors and those children to better their relationship and also work with um, academic um, objectives. And we have two um, non-residential programs, one in the south end of the island and one in the west of the island. So we provide services around the island to um, survivors from every municipality in Puerto Rico. In your opinion, should domestic violence be considered or looked at like a public safety issue? Yes, um, domestic violence um, is a public safety issue. It impacts women and children. Um, it impacts their development. It has physical and emotional impacts, for example, anxiety, PTSD, and not even, and if we go to address what physical violence does to survivors and children, you know, we won't be talking um, for hours and hours. So definitely um, talking about domestic violence as a public safety and public health is important so we can create awareness of, of this problem. And we also, you know, we, we try to encourage everybody that knows or might know that somebody is never by a domestic violence situation to be able to to be a resource for that person, to not judge them, to be able to to be there as support and to know the services and programs that are established in the island so they can help um, other survivors to get out of, of that situation. If you just joined us, this is Closer Look. I'm Felipe Aguilar. I'm speaking with Coralie León, director of Casa Julia here in Puerto Rico. She's given us some insight into domestic violence, its impact on survivors and family members. Coralie, before I started covering this topic, I didn't realize that there were different forms of domestic violence. I, I would think of the, the hitting, the battering, but I understand there's many forms of it. Can you speak to us about that? Yeah, the the more common, the one that people tend to talk the most because um, it's physically, uh, you know, it's difficult to escape because of the marks that it, that it leaves. It's just physical violence. Um, but there's also emotional violence. We've had survivors that have been for years needed to patterns of violence where um, their aggressors will try to destroy them emotional, emotionally. They will try to diminish them. They will try to um, not feel that, that they have agency or they are capable of doing things for themselves. And that leaves a very um, hard mark um, emotionally, emotionally for survivors. Also, economic violence. We have survivors that had to struggle, for example, because there are aggressors or perpetrators will take control of, of the salaries that they will generate by doing certain kinds of work or they will not let them work. They cannot generate their own income and that will put them in a very um, difficult situation when they want to get out of, of the domestic violence situation. And also sexual assault is part of domestic violence. There is this one notion that if you are in a relationship with somebody, uh, you owe this person um, sexual gratification every time this person wants it. So we also had um, situations where survivors was, were subjected to that. 
And also there's coercion or um, limiting um, the movement of, of, of a survivor, for example, not letting them get out of their house, not letting them have contact with family members or friends or their support system, talking them, using technology, uh, GPS or even social media to know where they, where they are every moment of the day. So these are um, a few examples of how domestic violence might, might look. And it's, it's not just physical, it could be all these other things as well. You know, Coralie, I have to believe that nobody goes into a relationship knowing that it's going to turn out to be an abusive relationship or a violent relationship. Are there predictors that we can look for, uh, red flags, if you will, that we may be stepping into a potentially violent situation? Yeah, I've been going uh, for a few years. I, I did work with youth and we will have these conversations about red flags in relationship and how to identify that something might might be going wrong. Um, for example, um, if somebody tries to control how you dress, how you look, if somebody tries to control who do you talk to, um, if you can talk or you cannot talk with family or friends, if somebody is demanding to have social media passwords or email passwords, or if they, for example, call you using FaceTime, so um, they can establish that you are where you say you were going to be. Those are things that tell us, you know, something is wrong here. And this person is trying to gain control over you and over your movement. So um, definitely there's there's um, something that it should be done, you know, like maybe this is not the right relationship and it's definitely going to escalate. So those are kind of things that we try to uh, talk with youth when we are doing prevention work. Uh, but we also try to identify green flags, you know, how do good relationships look like, um, what they respect, even when in the relationship there are differences, but they are dealt with respect. When people are trustworthy, you know, and, and they, they trust each other in the relationship, that's important too. When you have a partner that doesn't try to control who do you talk to, or if you can have a relationship with family or friends. So talking about red flags, we're also talking about green flags and what um, it might do to you as a person. That's very important. And that gives gives us a little bit of a guidance of, you know, what are we dealing with and how can we move um, forward? If you just joined us, this is Closer Look. I'm Felipe Aguilar. My guest is Coralie Leon, director of Casa Julia, and she's given us some insight into the issue of domestic violence. Julia, I heard you mention the word control. As I was getting ready for this conversation, I came across some information that was put out by the National Coalition Against Domestic Violence, something that they call the power and control wheel. Can you tell us about that wheel? The power and control wheel is actually a tool that we use with survivors when we are um, doing education work with them. And they can also try to identify what situations or what, or what power uh, or control dynamics were established in their relationship. We use this tool. You, you can find it in the internet, looking at like that power and control wheel. And what it contains is information of different ways, I guess, sort of perpetrators try to establish control or dominion over a person. For example, when there are children involved, they might not be 
division of roles that, that are balanced. So um, survivors tend to have all the responsibilities. They might try to coerce or try to control uh, a survivor by breaking their things, you know, breaking things that might have certain or uh, certain meaning to them. They might say that they are going to hurt family or friends or even the children or pets so they can keep controlling the survivor. They might try to take control of their finances. That was something that I was mentioning before. So what this power control wheel entails are different examples that are easier to discuss with survivors and also when you're doing um, education and prevention work. So people can see concretely how domestic violence works and they can identify if they're leaving that at the moment in the relationship that they had. So it's, it's a very powerful tool that we use um, with survivors to create awareness. There's also the, the equality wheel that is like uh, a counterpart of this uh, first wheel. And what it entails, it's how a, a healthy relationship should look, what conducts or, or ways of relate to, other per, or to the other person um, are we are supposed to incorporate, you know, like trust in the person, trying to, even in disagreement, to respect each other and trying to look for the middle ground, not hurting each other emotionally, not, not calling names, things like that. It's very important to have those kind of tools near when we do this work and it's, they are, they're very accessible. You can find them in the internet. I would like to talk about something that I call the the revolving door that sometimes is associated with domestic violence, where a victim may come in and out of a relationship that is clearly a, an abusive or violent relationship. Can you speak to that? There are a lot of things that happen in a relationship, and there are a lot of things that survivors have to entail to make the decision to finally cut with the aggressor and it's a process from the outside with we might want it to be you know a certain way or be a, a linear way but the thing is that survivors are um impacted and are affected emotionally but they also have these other um challenges that they confront when 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 they try to cut a domestic violence relationship for example if there are kids involved a lot of the time family around this relationship, they try to pressure survivors to go back to the aggressors because they have this, you know, wrong notion that breaking this relationship might affect the children. But what studies are saying is that children are better off, you know, if there's a domestic violence situation going on, children are better off if parents break the relationship because it's not healthy for them. And they are also suffering the violence. So there's this social pressures that go on. There's this, this, they might be family pressure that go on. They might be economic pressure that is going on as well. And survivors have, have to deal with that. And they have to, you know, take the decisions that they think are, the, are best for them in, in that moment. So we try to focus not in, in judging when or why survivors decide to um, you know break the cycle or if they go back or aim is to tell survivors we are here we're not going to judge you and you know whenever you need us we're going to still be here for you that's our main message 
no matter what happens, no matter what your decision in the present and what moves you to that decision as an organization that tries to be accessible for survivors, what we can say is that we are definitely not going to judge your choice. Can you give us an idea of what's a good way to approach a, a friend, a family member, if we suspect that he or she may be in a in an abusive relationship without being confrontational or judgmental? Yeah, I'm glad you asked that. One of the things that I always tell people that call us asking, you know, how can we help? First of all, don't judge, um, don't question their um, decisions, respect their autonomy, but be there, be present, help them in, in a way, for example, if if people that are a support group for a survivor or family or friends, if they can educate themselves and if they can have resources accessible, for example, here in Puerto Rico, there are different hotlines. So having those numbers accessible, even calling those numbers and saying, you know, I'm going through this, I have a friend or a family member that is a domestic violence survivor and I don't know how to navigate the situation. We're happy to help. We're happy to orient you and help you give you strategies to accompany the survivor. Also, helping them, for example, if the survivor is ready to get out of the domestic violence relationship situation, they might need to do a planning, you know, security planning. Um, they might need to move things that, for example, IDs or maybe money or uh, clothing for the children or for themselves. And they might need to put that in a secure place. Well, as, as a person that wants to help, maybe you can volunteer and tell them, you know, I can keep those, those things for you. And when, once you're ready, you just tell me and I will bring them to you. So there are different ways that we can help survivors in this context. But one of them, like the first one, the main, the most important is not judging, not questioning, because nobody likes or wants to be in a domestic violence relationship. Nobody likes to live in, in, in that kind of situation. So for us, the most important thing is that they feel supported, survivors feel supported, so they can make their own decisions and they can start thinking and start giving about our life without violence. It really sounds like Casa Julia is doing a lot to help survivors of domestic violence. And with that in mind, what's the best way for me or others in the community to learn more about Casa Julia and how we can get involved? We are very active in social media because of the pandemic. We moved all our educational prevention um, programming to social media. So people can find us in Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We have educational events two, two times a month where we discuss different topics related to gender violence. For example, this month on the 27th, we're going to be talking about the history of the 25th of November and the history of, of Mirabal, the Mirabal sisters. So you can tune in and check um, our social media. We always are, are um, sharing information for survivors, but also for people that want to help survivors. And also... Uh, we have uh, our own hotline. You can call, people can call 787-723-3500. It's a 24-7 hotline. 
survivors come up or also people, you know, even professionals or family, friends that want to help, I want to get involved, they can call this line and we will be happy to answer and tell them a little bit more about how they can help us. Coralie, I want to thank you again for taking time to talk to us tonight. Yeah, thank you for this space. That was Coralie Leon, director of Casa Julia. To learn more about Casa Julia, visit them online at casajulia.org. That's casajulia.org. Or you can email us at closerlook at klove.com. That's closerlook at klove.com. For Closer Look, I'm Felipe Aguilar. This has been Klove Closer Look. Find us online at klove.com.